Hey, this is Dan Savage. Welcome to episode 4612 of the Savage Love Podcast. Savage Love, of course, is my widely syndicated, widely mocked sex advice column. Uh, and this is an oral version, aural version of that column for your listening pleasure. Let's get to the calls. Hey, I recently heard about toxic sex toys. Now, I guess that some of the sex toys have phthalates in them. Uh, some chemical that causes cancer and a strange birth defect that will deform the penis of a, uh, of a fetus. Um, and I wanted to know if you could talk about what toys are safe and, and what toys should we avoid and, and uh, why do sex toys uh, melt when they touch each other? Those kinds of questions because uh, if anyone would know, I figured it would be you. Yes, there's been some uh, furious sort of reports written about toxic sex toys. Apparently there's a chemical compound, uh, an acid used uh, to make sex toys, to produce sex toys, that makes them softer and pliable and squishy, you know, so that your dildo doesn't have a rough plastic feel and edge to it. Um, the chemical is completely unpronounceable, so I'll spell it. P-H-T-H-A-L-A-T-E-S. Phthalates or something. Phthalates. Phthalates. Um, and apparently they're, uh, they cause cancer and they're not very good for you and they're in their sex toys. Um, there's an easy solution for this, which is not to become paranoid and toss all your sex toys in the trash. It's to put your sex toys in a latex or polyurethane condom, uh, although they probably have chemicals in them. We have to sort of face facts, and we live in a chemically saturated world. Um, and, uh, you know, you have to balance risk against reward, whether you're talking about sex toys or skiing or dinner uh, I'd worry more about uh, dioxins in beef, which came out this week. A huge shipment of American beef to Korea was rejected because it was covered in di- – it was just shot through with dioxins, which caused birth defects and cancer and, uh, you know, curdle milk, and you don't want it anywhere near you. And, and now sex – it just – you know, you have to embrace it. There's a certain amount of risk. And nobody lives forever, and if it really is important to you to shove a big piece of plastic up your ass uh, or pussy every once in a while, uh, you should – Embrace the minute risk of uh, of cancer, perhaps, and, and not stress about it too much, and balance the pleasure you derive versus the small risk you assume. Uh, so, put a condom on it if you're really concerned. Um, but you know, all sex toys out there usually are labeled novelty items, not for insertion, even though they're clearly insertion toys. And what does that tell you? That tells you that uh, the manufacturers probably are playing a little fast and loose with. Uh, what they're using to manufacture these things, and, you know, caveat emptor, buyer beware. If you're really concerned about chemicals uh, that they put in plastics to make them pliable for sex toys, there are, there are stores, uh, Toys and ba- or Babeland now, not Toys and Babeland, but Babeland, Babeland.com, Good Vibrations, GoodVibrations.com, Come As You Are, Come As You Are.com. Tons of great sex toy shops out there are selling uh, dildos and insertion toys made from wood, Dildos and insertion toys made from chrome uh, and other materials that conduct electricity for e-stim play. And also uh, ones made from glass. So if you're concerned about the chemicals in the plastics uh, and you don't mind something that isn't pliable and has a sort of uh, harder feel to it, go for wood. Uh, It did the Romans right. It can do you. Hey, Dan. uh, I have a question. Um, I'm a 23-year-old single, healthy uh, bi, or not bi, but straight male. The main reason why I call this is because I have a, a curb in my penis. It's uh, it, it's kind of like Gonzo's nose, you know, Gonzo from the Muppets. 
Uh, I researched it on the internet. I, I know it's called uh, Peon's disease, uh, and I know that one way to uh, somehow uh, even it out or straighten it out is surgery. But I don't want to get surgery because of, you know all the bad reports that have been uh, you know discussed about not uh, only in your column but uh, all the things that I read on the internet and stuff like that too. So surgery's like no option for me. Uh, is there any other option that I could have to somehow lengthen my penis, not lengthen it, but straighten it out? And uh, if not, then do women find this attractive? I mean, my girlfriend, she likes it, but it's getting a little bit boring for her. She likes it a little bit more straight. So it just seems like no matter uh, what kind of girl I have or any kind of girl that any guy has, it just seems like, Nothing's ever good enough for them. Uh, I could have the biggest dick in the world, and it still wouldn't be good enough for a woman. It just seems like that, though, you know. Uh, yeah, it sounds like you have a bad case of uh, Peyronie's disease, however you pronounce it. It's another word that I have no idea how to pronounce. One of those words you read all the time and you never have cause to say out loud until you start doing a podcast, and then you sound like a miseducated idiot. Anyway, if your uh, penis has sort of a soft curve to it, if it bends softly to the right or the left or up or even down – that's not Peyronie's disease or Peyronie's disease. Um, that's just a natural curve or bend that a lot of people have. If your penis is hooked like Gonzo's nose, uh, and you can Google image Gonzo's nose, uh, anybody out there who's listening to this at a computer and, and see what uh, you're, this guy is suffering with, uh, that has probably got to be Peyronie's disease. And it's probably uncomfortable and it probably makes sex difficult. Uh, most physicians who do... Uh, operate on men's penises who have Peyronie's disease where they go in and they, you know, usually there's a, there's a dense clump of uh, scar tissue uh, in your penis from perhaps a trauma or something else. So, you know, you got whacked in the dick once really hard. Maybe you don't remember it. Most people would. Uh, you know, it can, it can happen at any time in life. Like someone can have a perfectly straight penis and get a good swift kick or break and develop Peyronie's disease. Um, doctors will operate if it is interfering with intercourse or causing you a great pain and discomfort. A lot of doctors are reluctant to operate because it can severely damage your penis uh, and make it worse, not better. Um, so you have to weigh your sexual function uh, against uh, the risk involved with the surgery. You know, if, if you're able to, to function sexually, if you can enjoy sex, if you if your partner enjoys sex and, and your dick is, you know, shaped like a corkscrew, like a pig's dick, uh, then it's fine and you shouldn't worry about it. You shouldn't do anything about it. It sounds like you're having trouble. Um, I can't straighten your dick out uh, during a podcast or through a column. You will have to see doctors and urologists um, and, and discuss the possibilities um, and, and what can be done for you. Uh, your, your final comment, though, about no one's ever satisfied, nothing's ever enough, um, that uh, I hope isn't true. You know, people are satisfied. There are women out there who, uh, you know, may be completely satisfied with your gonzo-shaped dick because it's going to hit them in a particular spot that just drives them crazy. Um, you just have to find somebody who's satisfied with you and your body if you don't want to do surgery, if you don't want to take those, the chance of uh, further damaging your dick uh, by doing uh, surgery. Um, and you just have to keep looking until you find that person. Um, I think that when your genitals are... Uh, you know, atypical, surgery should always be the last resort. Um, and looking around until you find somebody who clicks with your genitals should always be your first choice. Um, you know, and if you have a girlfriend who's, 
you know, you know, into your dick and loves you, but also misses whatever feeling it was that, you know, a big straight dick gave her, you know, there's no reason why you can't uh, employ sex toys in your sex life too, where you can, you know, fill that uh, need, fill that hole, give her that experience again with a dildo or a vibrator and also give her that different kind of fucking that only you can give her with your super unique dick. Um, and you would be doing both and you would be in charge of both and you'd be the man, man. Um, but you have to, uh, sort of reconcile yourself to there being another phallus, uh, in the room in your girlfriend's life. Um, but if that's what you need to do to, uh, keep her satisfied and to keep your dick off the operating table, maybe that's something you should consider. Uh, good luck with that. Hi, Dan. I was just wondering what advice you could give a couple who's very much in love and has a great sex life when they have it but who has very different sex drives and are about to move in with each other. I don't know if you have just, you know, some advice in your pocket of how does this keep it great and not annoy one another when one person wants it too much and the other person doesn't want it enough. There's only one thing you can do when you have differing sex drives, and you don't say who has a higher sex drive than who, uh, and a lot of people are going to assume that he has a higher sex drive than she in this situation, but that's not always the case. I get a lot of letters from women who have higher sex drives than the men in their lives and want to know what they can do about it. So I'm not going to speculate as to whether, uh, uh, as to who's the horn dog and who's the, um, the frigid block of ice. Anyway, uh, what you got to do is you got to compromise. The, the person who wants more needs to ratchet it down a little bit, and the person who wants less needs to ratchet it up a little. Uh, there's also, uh, you can also compromise around what counts as sex play. You know, oftentimes, uh, okay, I, I'm going to generalize. I'm going to assume he's the horn dog and you're the block of ice because even though I just said to, you know, to be fair and not sexist that, you know, it could be either way, it's usually the guy who wants more sex than the woman. Uh, but what you need to do then is keep him milked uh, and, and joyfully so and, and happily so if, if, if he's the one who's hornier than you are. Um, a lot of guys regard the occasional hand job, even the occasional blow job as a consolation prize because what they really want is pussy. Uh, but if you're, uh, you know, ramping it up a little bit on the full-blown, you know, vaginal intercourse front, he should be willing to ratchet it down a little bit and, and accept and joyfully accept the joyfully given hand job. And it has to be joyfully given. It can't be, you know, I have a look on my face and my mouth is screwed up uh, into, a, into an annoyed smirk as I beat him off in the morning because he's horny and I don't want to do anything or I just want to get out of bed. It has to be, you know, fun for him, and he can't feel like he's tormenting you by having a higher sex drive and having needs. Um, you know, I've, I've, had, I've had straight friends who uh, hammered this out uh, in creative ways, uh, and you guys can too. Um, you know, if it's, enough, you know, five minutes of you just standing there while he presses his face into your crotch and beats off uh, kneeling between your legs in the morning, if that's what it takes, like – you should be able to do that pretty uh, joyfully, I think, uh, if you love him. Um, you know, if what he requires every time he has sex is, you know, a three-hour sex marathon and he's going to sulk and smirk and be annoyed and unhappy if he doesn't get a three-hour sex marathon every time he's horny, uh, then then he should be slapped uh, across the face by me in person um, for, for not being willing to compromise. Uh, but you got to compromise. you got to hammer it out. That's the only solution for the differing sex drive thing. There's nothing in the world that will turn somebody who only wants it once a week into somebody who wants it three times a day. And there's nothing in the world that will turn somebody who wants it three times a day into somebody who wants it once a week besides, of course, age. You know, when you're 80, you'll probably have very similar sex drives, meaning none whatsoever. 
and now, of course, I'll hear from a million 80-year-olds listening to the podcast who, you know, fuck like crazy. Uh, and I'll put more power to you. But uh, blah, blah, blah. I think I'm done uh, answering your question. So uh, good luck with that compromise. Uh, a couple of podcasts ago, we heard from a woman who was having problems with uh, UTIs, urinary tract infections, after uh, good old-fashioned heterosexual intercourse. Obviously, the the predispondence that women have to developing UTIs after heterosexual intercourse is God's way of letting women know they're supposed to be lesbians, just like the prostate gland is God's way of letting men know they're supposed to be fags. Uh, but some people just have to battle God's plan for them and uh, go their own way. Uh, I gave what advice I could, and a couple of callers called in with uh, with additional advice because people helping people is really what it's all about. So we're just going to play those now, uh, and this goes out to all the UTI, God-defying straight women out there. Hi there. I'm phoning about the girl who phoned in on the 19th, or it was the 19th podcast, um, about her urinary tract infections. And I just wanted to say that I had similar ongoing problems and had the same thing. Doctors just going pee in a cup and then looking and saying, oh, white blood cells, you have an infection. But it's very often I found out that white blood cells will show up even without an infection. Um, they can show up if there's irritation, which is could be happening from having sex um, and just get an irritated urethra. But also what can happen is that you can have a scarred urethra or you can have interstitial cystitis or all sorts of things that will show up when they do a culture, which it didn't sound like she had had done. I could be wrong, but it, I didn't get that impression. Um, so what she should do, first of all, like you said, find a new doctor <laughs> pronto. Um, but also get that culture to make sure that there isn't any sort of infection in there. Also, if it is bladder infections or rather urinary tract infections, she said that she was guzzling cranberry juice. But cranberry juice that's commercially marketed usually is mostly made of apple juice, which isn't something that's very well advertised. So make sure you get like a pure cranberry juice pack, not cranberry cocktail or any of that stuff. Also, cranberry pills are very good, um, and just staying hydrated all the time, which I'm sure she's doing. And also, I just wanted to say, Dan said to wash your genitals, but to remember that women's vaginas are self-cleaning. And if you must use soap, use a plain glycerin soap, absolutely no antibacterial, and probably don't even need soap. Just give it a good solution with some nice warm water. So the, the pill from the doctor is probably a one-shot antibiotic, which they tried to give to me before they realized it was just a scar urethra, which they can fix. Um, and she's totally right. Taking one antibiotic every time you have sex is a stupid, stupid thing to do. And that's why doctors suck. Lots of doctors. Anyway, thanks, Dan. Good luck with the podcast. Bye. Hi, Dan. Um, I'm a medical student about to graduate, and I just had something to add to your advice for the woman who called in about the frequent urinary tract infections. The other thing that causes a lot of urinary tract infections is semen. And it actually changes the pH of the vagina, and so a lot of times women will get uh, urinary tract infections if, you know, if their partners are coming inside of them. So one thing she can try to do is uh, just to sit on the toilet afterwards, try to get out as much of that as possible. Uh, the other thing you could suggest doing would be wearing a condom for about a month and just trying or using condoms for about a month and just see if it goes away or not. And then at the end, it's, you know, cost benefits, like is it worth it to wear condoms? Or is it now worth it and just taking that pill? So anyway, just a little bit of advice. More good advice. Uh, thanks for that. Remember to crap the semen out of your self-cleaning vagina, ladies, if you want to avoid that urinary tract infection or run a little, like, 
experiment to see if your guys' uh, semen is changing the pH level in your vagina. Thanks for calling. We appreciate it. Also got a letter here from a guy who said that he and his girlfriend used to have problems with her developing urinary tract infections after they had sex. And they realized it was because they were changing positions in the middle of sex. And in the first position, his balls were slapping her anus. And in the second position, his balls were slapping her urethra. I'm trying not to picture that transition, uh, but uh, I can't help myself, and I am. So uh, his advice, the, the person who sent the letter, is you might want to choose the position and stick with it instead of dragging balls uh, all over a body and then slap them against a urethra. So people helping people, like I said, that's what it's all about. If you ever have advice that you want to uh, give to somebody whose question you've heard me mangle, botch, or not completely answer on the podcast, you can call it in at 206-201-2720. Hi, Dan. Um, my friend and I are both big fans of the podcast um, and the column, but um, we were having a debate about whether the the youth who you reference um, are really at risk. She thinks they're really at risk, um, and and I think that it's a joke, and they're not actually at risk. And um, so I was wondering if you could clarify that for us. We would really we'd really appreciate that. Thank you. Bye bye. They are tech savvy. Uh, the youth who work on the Savage Love podcast, uh, and they are youth, and they are in the room with me, which most parents would define as being placed at risk. Okay, uh, that about wraps it up for this week's podcast. Uh, Happy New Year, everybody. Happy 2007. Uh, I'm Dan Savage, and this has been Savage Love, the podcast. If you want to record a question for the podcast, uh, and we can't do it without your recording questions, give us a buzz at 206-201-2720. You can download the podcast every week at www.thestranger.com backslash savage, which you would know since you already downloaded the podcast. Uh, you can also read the other shit I write for The Stranger and check out The Stranger's blog, which is called Slog, uh, at our website. Again, 206-201-2720. Call from a landline if you can. So much better than those scratchy cell phone calls. And I will uh, get some more questions, more of your questions next week.